kind of let go of all these attachments that hold us back from really connecting with these parts of ourselves that may not fit within that that strict guidelines of masculinity that we got sold as kids that we all tried to buy into. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Man Talks Podcast. My name is Mr. Roger Nairn. And I'm Connor Beaton. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Van City Buzz. Do you love Vancouver? Stay connected to your city with the latest in news, events, sports, music, and more with Van City Buzz. Check out vancitybuzz.com or search Van City Buzz on social media. So before we get started, we have a very, very, very exciting announcement. Man Talks is moving to Toronto. Boom. I Boom. mean, not, not like, we'll We're still not, be in Vancouver. We're not but. moving. We're just we we have a summer home now in Toronto. <laughs> Connor, why don't you let everyone know uh, all the details? Yeah, so we've had a lot of interest in Toronto, and a lot of people reaching out saying, "When are you going to expand? And when are you to come to our city?" And we've had people from all over the world, to be honest, from Australia to Dubai to Calgary. We've had people from everywhere reach out. And it made sense for us to stay in Canada first. So we are launching in Toronto. We're super, super excited about it. We have three incredible speakers. Um, We've got an amazing venue downtown Toronto. It's called Second Floor Events. Uh, Great location. Um, We've got some great speakers, including a former NBA player, uh, Gary Durant. Um, So we've got an Awesome, awesome setup. And uh, if you know anybody that's in Toronto, even if you're not in Toronto, feel free to invite them out. Uh, the event is live on mantox.com under attend. And uh, yeah, invite yeah, them out. Awesome. And we are about to start talking with a man who spent a little bit of time in Toronto himself. Uh, his name is Mr. Shea Emery. Shea Emery is a two-time Grey Cup champion, 2012 Defensive Player of the Year runner-up, 2012 Canadian Player of the Year runner-up, and six-year Canadian Football League veteran and an all-star middle linebacker. But today, Shea Emery is tackling his most momentous challenge yet, bringing awareness to the ways in which men can proactively serve and enhance their quality of life and potential. Potential. After suffering a concussion, which put him out for the remainder of the football season in 2011, Emery found himself battling trials of the past. Negative self-talk, isolation, and an intensifying self-consciousness drew him back into the depressive state he had known as an adolescent. In early 2012, Emery was inspired to use his platform in professional sports to share his story with youth, inspiring self-care and conversation concerning wellness and mental health. His mission to change the stigma was ignited. So he started an organization called Wellman. Wellman is an adventure club that seeks to get males outside, away from their cell phones and computers, to bond over activities from campfire cooking to snowshoeing and paddleboarding to meditation and yoga on the beach. For Shea, community and connection is lacking in today's society, and Wellman provides an avenue for like-minded men to congregate around the ideals, environments, and experiences we once knew or have lost touch with, long to know. So, Connor, what did you like the most about our conversation with Shay today? Yeah, I mean, Shay's got an absolutely incredible story, and it's it's so refreshing to have an athlete on the show who's just willing to open up. We've never, you know, besides Lewis Howes, we haven't really had a lot of athletes on the show, and Shay is just real. I mean, yeah. he's, he's no no BS, no bullshit, and uh, he just he just says it how it is, and you know I think for for the men and for the women that are listening to this podcast, it's it's a great episode because he dives into some of the struggles of a pro athlete, some of the struggles of concussions, you know that side of it, which is very very interesting. And uh, has some very good tips, I guess you could say, on how to support people that are going through transition, that have suffered from trauma, and that have suffered from concussions. So it's there's a lot, there's a lot yeah. of valuable information. This, 
this podcast is just packed and packed with value. So let's get right to it with Mr. Shea Emery. Hey, Shea, welcome to the Man Talks podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, Before we get started, we always like to ask our guests, can you tell us all about a defining moment for you as a man? I definitely can do that. I've had many, but I think the one that speaks out to me the most is when I was severely depressed and concussed in uh, Montreal in 2011. I was reading a a list of questions that my mom asked me about her life because she was writing a book on uh, her surgical health and wellness history and past. And uh, she said 21 surgeries on her stomach and bowels. And so I didn't know a lot about her past and history and medical history. And it basically just shined a massive bright, bright light on what my dad and my grandmother and my grandfather had had to do for my mom and uh, for her to simply just live. And that made me want to be a better man and made me really want to help other men become better men as well. So that was my defining moment. That's incredible. Thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, let's, let's build a little bit of context for listeners out there. Uh, you're, you're two-time uh, Grey Cup champion, played on three different uh, teams in CFL. You were once voted the CFL's nastiest player, which I think <laughs> is pretty awesome. <laughs> twice. 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 Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, twice. man. There you go. That's a good one. But uh, just, just in early February, you retired from the CFL and, and you've retired, you know, as a result of, as a result of some concussions. So I'm wondering if you can kind of walk us through that, that process and maybe, maybe talk about um, how you got to where you are today. The process of retirement? I mean, the process of retirement and, and, and the process you went through with, with the concussion. Yeah. So um, as mentioned, I had a pretty bad concussion in 2011, which really shined, as I said, it shined a light on just life in general outside of football. And um, it provided me with the perspective that I didn't really know who I was off the football field. So when it happened again in 2014, this past season, or I was 15, um, I really just knew I needed to make a decision for my own personal health. And that's what I did. I I battled back and forth with retirement since 2011. It's been a a long four-year process of stepping away from the game. And as you can imagine, being a professional athlete that highly identifies solely as a football player, um, as an athlete, it's difficult to walk away from that persona. So concussions forced me to do so. And it was... uh, it was a pretty difficult process and still is to this day. I'm, I'm not saying I'm, I'm set up for life over here, but at the same time, uh, I have a positive outlook on, you know, just my mindset towards embracing what that next step is, that next chapter. And it involves, you know, concussion recovery and really giving back to that, that part of myself that I need to really, really pay attention to. Yeah, it's really that's really great, man. I think you know for our listeners out there, you're you're actually one of the first athletes, um, pro athletes that we've had on the podcast. And I'm curious, you know, what was what was it really like to be a pro athlete? Like, is it is it is it all the hype and the sort of like panache that that we see from from a public eye, or what's it like to be a pro athlete? I'm sure that our listeners are curious. It's very similar to what you see in the movies. It is for the most part. In the CFL, we're not making gajillions of dollars, but at the same time, you're making enough to survive. And there's still that, like you said, the panache of being an athlete in the public eye and whatnot. So it's a lot of fun. But uh, for the most part, there's a lot of guys that get lost 
as we used to say, we, they get lost in the sauce. They get lost in, uh, you know, the limelight. Then, especially in a city like Montreal, guys just, they're going out five, six nights a week. And uh, you can tell those guys that are coming to practice and they're smelling like they shouldn't be smelling. And I think for me personally, I realized that uh, from a very, very young age, that if I was going to be a, a football player, I could, I needed to be really, really focused during the week. And if I wanted to, you know, go out and have a good time. I could do that on the, the day after the game or the day of the game. And, and I definitely did that. And it was a great time. But, uh, you know, those, uh, you know, you can only live hard and die fast or whatever. You can only do that so so long. So uh, it was a good time. But at the most for the most part, I, I learned quite early that I needed to take care of everything else as well to really thrive and succeed. And as a young athlete in, in the CFL, I mean, are you pretty much left on your own to figure it all out for yourself or, or do they, you know, is there, is there any sort of um, mentoring uh, opportunities for you to kind of navigate through, you know, being handed a, handed a bunch of money and a, and a, and a big title and, and some swagger around the city? It's pretty limited, to be honest with you. And uh, it's been surprising, um, to say the least, where you have young guys that come into the league and and you know their their egos are through the roof and then all of a sudden they get brought back down to earth and it's definitely something where there needs to be a development in that in that sector where guys are you know even myself I'm retiring and uh, you know it's it's limited there as well there's you know it's it's all about the community and support and uh, there was a very um, lackluster um, exit strategy for me I guess you would say where it's just kind of like an email and here you go. You can reach out to these people if you need uh, to talk or you need any, you know, financial services or what have you. Um, and for guys that are coming in, it's, it's, it's something where you could really rely on those older guys that have been in for three, four, five, ten 10 years to, to walk them through it, but in a more structured manner, not like, Hey buddy, come here. I'm going to bring you under my wing because not everyone has someone to go under their wing. So um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome, man. And in terms of like, uh, where did you discover this passion? Like, did you always play football as a kid or is it just something that, you know, that you kind of like fell into or something that you always wanted to do? Like, how did this, how did this come about? Well, when I was a very young boy, my grandfather was a massive Notre Dame fighting Irish fan. And, uh, my uncles and my dad all went to, uh, a high school here in Vancouver called Vancouver College. It's all boys private school and it was has a very storied history for football. And so I pretty much knew exactly where I was going to go and what I was going to do. <laughs> and uh, so what I did is I, you know, I, I didn't play football until high school and then um, always wanted to, but my parents always thought it was, or my mom, sorry, my mom thought it was too dangerous and uh, didn't let us play hockey or play football when we were younger. And then all of a sudden when I was in high school, I guess I was the right age and went out and started to succeed and, and started to love being good at something as, as good as I was at football and, uh, and really just took it from there and got a, really, a whole bunch of really good opportunities in a couple of years in a row and uh, you know, took advantage of those opportunities. Nice. That's, that's great, man. It's a great, great segue into, uh, 
into how you actually came into your career. So do you mind if we talk about concussions just a little bit? Because I know it's a huge, I know it's a huge thing right now. And, you know, my, my brother played lacrosse and he had multiple concussions and, you know, in the, in the mastermind groups, we've had guys that have been in car accidents and had concussions and, and, you know, it's, it's big in the media right now. And there's that new movie out with Will Smith and it's, and it's kind of everywhere. And, and I guess, you know, can you give our listeners a little bit of insight into, you know, what the struggles are actually like from, from the perspective of somebody dealing with those symptoms? Well, I'm totally open to talking about concussions. <clears throat> I haven't seen the movie because I get asked that question every day. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> um, I, I probably should see it. But you're I, you're I have... living the movie, though. Exactly, exactly. And, uh, you know, you see all those. I mean, Connor, you asked about, you know, what it's like to, like to be a professional athlete, professional football player. And you see all the videos of the guys you know, 20, 30 years after their career and they're broken down because they played 15 years and all they were doing was popping pills. Um, you know, that was, that was a little bit of a, um, a peek into what my life was like when I was not taking care of my health and, um, a lot of other guys as well. So I, one thing that I need to mention is the fact that I only, um, a witness of my own experience and uh i have that experience to to share and and what that was is really just someone who was loving what he was doing and thriving and having a great time and all of a sudden all this information came out you know the uh some other guys in in the nhl and the nfl started taking their lives and they were i related to where they were at there you know they were either enforcers in the nhl or they were middle linebackers in the nfl and i was sitting here thinking i'm no different from these guys from a physical standpoint taking hits to the head all the time and uh and having a history with depression i was very concerned about um, you know, some of the thought processes I was having and, uh, it's difficult because I know that I'm not the only guy that was, that thinks that way. Um, and some guys or most guys, um, playing in the CFL kind of just keep it to themselves, but I've had numerous guys come up to me, reach out on, on social media. I want to talk simply because I'm open and honest about what I've had, what's been happening with my concussions and guys are like, I don't know what to do. You know, I have a new, I'm a free agent and coming up this year, I, it's, we're going into the playoffs and I have a concussion. I need to, you know, I, I need to get back on the field, but he doesn't, he knows he can't go back out there. And then he, I end up seeing him back on the field two weeks later. And, uh, so it's just like, there's a little bit of pressure or a lot of pressure and, you know, I, I need, and I want to get out there and perform because we're in the performance industry and, uh, you got to get out there and do your job for you to continue getting paid. Yeah, and your entire—I mean, your entire value—is is performance. Correct. Uh, we we interviewed uh, Lewis Howes a few weeks ago, and and he's a uh, or he was an ex um, arena football player, and, and he talked about yes. you know the, the the largest struggle he had was just um, hiding the pain. Uh, you know, because he was physically in pain, but, you know, also mentally in pain, but not being able to show that there was too much pain where you got sidelined. I can imagine it's the same thing. You must have to go through all sorts of different cloak and dagger uh, scenarios so that the coaches see that you're not too injured. Yeah. You know, I've, I was very, very fortunate. um, And I took care of my body very well during my career. I, I always tell everyone that I never got carried off the field. I always, every, even t- when I got my concussions, I always walked off. Um, and, 
you know, from a, a physical standpoint, I, I have all my, all my joints and hips and, and back and shoulders and everything. So I'm, I, I'm very fortunate to have got away from the game in, in pretty good shape relatively. And, uh, but there's a lot of guys that, you know, they'll go out there because they're, they feel like it's, they need to get back out there to, to, you know, continue performing and, and end up actually just hurting their cause simply because they're injured and they can't play as well as they, as they could. And, uh, there's a lot of pressure and it's, it's a little bit of a chess game within yourself, but also you need to be able to, you know, be honest with the team. So, and concussions are kind of like, you know, depression in, in that at face value, an individual can look completely fine, but I mean, it's the brain. You have no idea what's going on inside. It's not like you have, you know, a, a sprained ankle and you're limping or you have a broken arm and you're in a sling, you know, Correct. your, your brain doesn't have a, a bandage over it necessarily. Um, <clears throat> you know, what are, what are some of the symptoms of concussion of a concussion? Because I think, you know, we see it happening more and more in, in, you know, in professional sports and, and you hear about, uh, you know, some of the struggles that people are going through, but what exactly is going on inside you? Well, there's a million different symptoms and there's a whole bunch of different types of concussions and traumatic brain injuries. And, um, you know, really to, to speak to my, my own experience, I, you know, my, something that's been bothering me is my vision has been kind of getting messed up and uh and you know there's the stereotypical headaches and and uh, sensitivity to light and whatnot but I don't, I don't really have any of that I, I get a headache just like anyone else does when they don't get their coffee quick enough in the morning <laughs> <laughs> and uh but you know there's like there's so many different people out there with different bodies and it's it's such an immeasurable um, frontier, as we like to say, it's the next frontier, the brain frontier. And there's, there's so much research and energy and resources going into figuring it out because we don't know what's going on in there. <laughs> and so, you know, the players don't know, the coaches don't know, but at the same time, they need to understand that there's a lack of knowledge there. So they can't just say, Hey, I'm good. I'm going back on the field. And it's up to the response. It's the responsibility of the football player to, to make that personal decision. And so when guys are out there going hard and having fun, you, you can't look at them and say, Oh, it's too bad for them. I, I'm like, go for it, man. Have fun, live a dream. And, uh, just kind of what I've been talking to myself is like, as long as they're making an, uh, an educated decision and recognize like what they're going through, what they're going to be doing to themselves and let them go and do it. It's, it's totally fine. Just like any other sport, there's, there's always those, uh, the, the trade has their own dangers to just participating. So it's, uh, like I said, it's, it's the responsibility of the player to really come up and, and figure out what's, uh, what's going on within their own self. Mm. Yeah. Those are, those are all really good points. Like the, in any, in any sport and any, job that you do, there's going to be a certain amount of risk. And it's just about mediating that risk and deciding, you know, what's actually best for you. But, you know, from from a standpoint of I'm sure that there's listeners out there that, you know, have loved ones or have an experienced, you know, with their with their partner, or with their kids, um, where they're going through a concussion and dealing with that. Um, how can they support? Because it is one of those challenging things where it's not like we can give, you know, regular normal care. So what are, what are some of like the tips and tricks that you would say if a, a father or mother is dealing with a, a child that's going through a concussion or a husband or wife that's, that's trying to support somebody that's, that's dealing with a concussion? Yeah, it's, that's a great question. And uh, it's, it's one I get asked quite, quite frequently for, you know, parents reach out to me through 
friends and family or what have you. And, uh, and, you know, I always go back to the fact that I'm my own, I'm only a guy with an experience with my own personal concussions and, um, witnessing a whole bunch of other guys get them. And the one thing that I know is that social isolation and sitting in a dark room is not going to make you feel good. <laughs> uh, it might, it might make you feel like you're medically taking care of yourself, but like there's, there's, there's gotta be some action behind it. You can't be a, a uh, an athlete, some, a kid that's super hyperactive. And then all of a sudden you're not doing anything at all for, for months on end. And, um, obviously you need to play it by ear and realize, you know, if there's a massive sensitivity to light, then yeah, probably sitting in a, in a darker room is, is better. But, uh, you know, the research isn't, isn't set in stone around like, that's the best thing for you to do. And I, I feel like, uh, just educating yourself on, on the different types of, I guess, rehabilitation programs that are out there is probably the best thing to do. And I think that would be a a good first step. Nice. And in terms of your, in terms of your transition, I think the other thing that, you know, listeners are probably curious about is what, what's the transition really been like from, from your end? Cause I think whether you're a pro athlete or, you know, whether you're somebody who's held down a job or a career for 30 years or even, even five to 10 years, going through that transition and kind of like stripping off that identity can be a hugely challenging thing. Like I remember when I decided to leave opera and, and move on from that into, into my next phase of my life, it was this, it was this massive transition because I had identified with myself for so long as an opera singer, as a classical musician. And then when I didn't have that, I was like, Oh my God, like who am I? Like, what am I supposed to do now? Um, because so much of myself was wrapped up in that identity. And so I'm curious, you know, since it's kind of new for you, what's your process been like and what's the biggest challenge and what's the biggest piece of advice that you could give people? Well, the biggest piece of advice I usually give people is just to find something that you're passionate about and, and really just dive into that. And, you know, naturally that you've done that and I'm doing the same thing. And I really got, I got asked that question in 2011 when I was out and I had made the decision to retire then. I said to myself, like, what am I going to do? Like, do I go back to school? I don't, I don't know who I am off the football field. It was a very difficult time, and it's, it's been, it's been a, a tough time right now too. Just you know, figuring out how comfortable I am with this uh, lack of a football identity, a part of my my purpose. And, uh, so I really just found, I dove into everything that I love doing and just tried to figure out, you know, which things I could do more of and, and what made me happy and what made me get into that flow state of mind. And, uh, I've, I've got a, a Rolodex of different activities and, and I'm just enjoying doing those activities, but doesn't make it any easier to, to, you know, not have that football player identity attached to my hip. Uh, but I think it just gets easier with time, just like anything else. So what would you say is your, is your purpose today? My purpose is to challenge hypermasculine stereotypes, wielding an ax and in tree pose. That's my purpose statement. Awesome. Awesome. So that's there's a lot. To, there's a lot I, to unpack there. There is. There <laughs> let's is. Let, let's start with the hypermasculinity. I mean, um, let's unpack that. What what does that mean to you? And and what would what would it mean to listeners? And and how do you um, express that these days? Well, growing up in an alpha male environment, uh, I was very much attached to being an alpha male, and you know that peacocking that takes place in every locker room was something that I was pretty good at. 
and uh, excelled at on the football field, being voted two-time nastiest player in the CFL, which I was pretty proud of. And, um, you know, it was, it was all made possible simply because I was, I was fighting to survive, uh, being a, a, a survival of childhood abuse, a survivor of childhood abuse. I, I needed to survive by becoming the most badass dude on in, in any arena room I was in and simply to make myself feel comfortable. Like I wasn't going to get hurt. And so I, you know, I want to provide other opportunities for guys, whether or not they had a, a traumatic experience or not to really just simply be comfortable in their own shoes. And, um, you know, that's, that's why I included that. And, uh, yeah. Wow. So, and, and, and I mean, if you're okay with talking about it, is that, can we, can we talk a little bit about the, the childhood trauma that you went through? I mean, I, I don't really, the, I think the one thing that I do say is that there's, um, you know, there's experiences in my life that I, I talk about and there's experiences that I, I shine light on. And that's simply kind of what I do with, with that is, is I, I be as explicit as I feel comfortable with and simply, simply to express the fact to other men that I've had my own personal experience and that I'm not ashamed to talk about the fact that I was a victim and that I was, um, in a place of, vulnerability and that I learned to become stronger through that embracing that experience. And, and that's kind of the, you know, the extent that I talk about it simply because there's, uh, I don't feel there's a need to get into the nitty gritty details simply because, you know, uh, there's a lot of things that people experience that they don't need to talk about simply to just let it, let it off their chest. No, totally. And that's, that's absolutely fair enough. So, you yeah. know, when we were doing the research for the show, there's, there's sort of three things that, that jumped out of me that's, that's going on in, in your life these days. One of them is that you're a spokesperson for the Bell Let's, Let's Talk uh, initiative that, that just happened across Canada. Um, you've also started an organization called Wellman, and then mm-hmm. you've also started an organization called a- Axrone. So <laughs> those, yeah. are, those are three big things i mean let's maybe let's maybe go through each each of these three let's talk about the the bell let's talk initiative so bell let's talk uh i was in i was initiated into the program in uh, about three years ago and that was when i did my first wellman they asked me to activate my network and so what i did was i wanted to you know step into that purpose and 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 challenge hypermasculine stereotypes wielding an axe and tree pose. So we did some yoga, we did some outdoor adventure activities like tree climbing, um, like arborist tree climbing, and uh, some logger sports stuff, and hiking, mountain biking, um, and uh, really just uh, activated a group of guys and had them all having conversations around things that really matter in their lives and uh, getting to know one another a little bit better. And so. Uh, I've been a part of the, that campaign for the last three years, and uh, it's been a great experience, and and really opened up a lot of uh, conversations and doors for me that otherwise would not have been opened. And I'm really excited to be uh, be uh, of value to that uh, space. Um, and Wellman, uh, Wellman's the men's adventure club that I founded that day, so January twenty eighth, two thousand and fourteen, and yeah, we. Rewild men back to nature by um, getting them outdoors and connecting them with one another, and and uh, for you know more importantly, connecting them with themselves. And uh, it's uh, been operating for about two years. And uh, in within my 
time in the CFL. It's been uh, a process simply because I've been I've moved across the country four times in the, since the the inaugural event. So it's been a little bit of a di- difficult process, but for the most part, it's you know, been very rewarding for me, and I'm excited to continue doing so. And then Axe Throne, uh, it's actually Throne, or just it's called Throne. Um, you may have seen it in the Vancouver Sun yesterday. He, he called it Axe Throne. I did. But I'm sorry. It's all good, bro. Don't th- don't <laughs> throw an axe at me. <laughs> it's uh, our website's axethrone.com, so that's probably why I got confused. But we're a mobile axe throwing experience here in Vancouver, and uh, we can you know service all sorts of events and uh, weddings and whatnot. And uh, we started about uh, two months ago, and it's just been a really you know fun and light experience for me personally. And just we you know we do birthday parties for kids with foam axes, and it's just like I said, we're having a lot of fun being a part of that uh, logger sports community and and just enjoying you know that part of my my purpose and my passion off the football field now and uh i actually just started uh, competing in logger sports as well i competed in my, from in my first event on january 30th so it's uh i gotta put my physical capabilities to to test it in some point i'm only 29 so i got, I got a lot of juice left in this body that's awesome man that's awesome and so where did where did like why axe axe throwing i'm just i'm just curious well, I mean, when you think about the uh, the icon of an axe, it's a very manly, burly icon. And I had a I hosted a Wellman event in Montreal, and I invited all my friends. It was for Movember, uh, and they sent their wives and their girlfriends. And I looked at my wife, who was a part of the the event that we planned, and I was just questioning, like, what's wrong? Like, why didn't my friends? Why didn't my teammates come? Why didn't they? Well, why didn't I? Why didn't I engage with them on this this uh, this event? And uh, that first Roman event was about a month and a half later, and I I realized that using axe throwing and logger sports and and activities that men can really engage with that, to really connect with you know that physical primal being within them uh, was was the hook, and uh, it's worked ever since. And that's why we've included the axe. And also in yoga, there's a yogic icon. His name's Ganesha. And he wields an axe to cut himself free or cut so the people that can, so people can cut themselves free from their stifling attachments. And, uh, so it very, it, it lends to both sides of my, my purpose statement of, you know, wielding, uh, wielding an axe and in tree pose. There's this disconnection from limiting attachments and really connecting with that uh, that part of yourself that you maybe have lost connection with hmm. and, I, and i read that uh wellman is after systemic socio-cultural change sorry just popping back to, to wellman for a second yeah sorry um <laughs> i totally just jumped topics there um well you know what does that mean to you and, and you know specifically the the socio-cultural change yeah so you know from my own personal experience, I recognize that there's so many guys out there that are just kind of having they're they're stewing in their own experience. They don't they don't have a platform for them to share. And you know, it's it's interesting that we're talking about this because Connor and I talked about this. It must have been almost 18 months, two years ago, when you were just starting Man Talks, and uh, and it was you know a big part of what I wanted to do. I wanted to provide an opportunity for guys to just connect with themselves and and really step into their own experience and and feel free talking about whatever's going on in their life with their you know with their buddies or their 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 partners and uh and that's why 
having platforms like man talks and, and like Wellman to really let them step outside their, you know, their framework of masculinity that they got sold as kids is really important for them to, you know, step into a, a thriving individual and really connect with uh, a person that's progressing and, and uh, moving forward. No, that's great, man. And you, you did a Ted talk around that, that same, that same idea and topic. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it was, uh, it's called an, an adventure within and it's, it's really revolving around what I called humanliness and really just how as men, we need to kind of let go of all these attachments that hold us back from really connecting with these parts of ourselves that may not fit within that, that strict guidelines of, of masculinity that we got sold as kids that we all tried to, you know, that tried to buy into. And uh, I'm sure, you know, Connor, you dealt with this yourself being a, a guy that grew up in opera. That was not something that was probably the most manly stereotypical activity to do, but really it's something that you enjoyed and you were probably pretty good at. And, you know, there was parts of myself where I felt I didn't feel comfortable engaging with those types of activities. And now I want to, I want to provide the opportunity for guys to feel comfortable engaging those up in, in those opportunities. And especially with the, the kids, the youth that were, you know, they have these malleable uh, personalities and perceptions where you can really just allow them to feel comfortable stepping into those, those aspects of their character and their being. And that's really the, the main point around that. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic, man. It's, I mean, it's, it's funny that I think you, you and I, and, and, and what our, you know, what our brands are doing stand for very similar things and, and being able to support men in that way is, I mean, it's just a, it's a mission, right? Cause I think for a long time it was just kind of put by the wayside and, and, uh, I think that men now are looking to connect within and connect with their brothers again. And, and that's a big part of the mission of, of what we're both doing. Yes. Um, and on the other side, how we support women is also important. Absolutely. And today is international women's day. And so I just kind of wanted to give that a huge shout out and also ask you, you know, like how, how do you support the women in your life? Well, my wife is uh, um, a survival, a sur again, a survivor of violent trauma and sexual abuse. So her and I have many conversations around um, this topic. And for me, it's really just being there for her and, and supporting her and, and her endeavors. And, and really, whilst she's supporting uh, women, I'm supporting men and it's all about just creating a uh, a community of beings that are are you know compassionate and, and empower one another and and i really just feel like there's uh um, you know it needs to be a more communicative environment for us to as men to really lend a hand and to the women in our life and not that they need a hand to be lent to them, but simply just to kind of say, we're there for you guys to, to be supportive, to be open and to be vulnerable in those, in those more, you know, not so manly conversations, uh, quote unquote, not so manly conversations. And I really feel like how I support my wife is just by simply, you know, putting my phone down and saying, okay, focus on listening, <laughs> focusing on, on this conversation and what she wants to talk about. And I'm not perfect at it all at all, but at the same time, the, the consciousness that comes into play, the, the mindfulness that I practice when I'm having that conversation is what I feel that is really going to lend to a, you know, a more supportive, um, relationship. 
Mm, that's great, man. I, you know, I think oftentimes we make it more complicated than it needs to be. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I think what you're talking about there is, is really powerful because it's just presence, you know, like it's just, I think one of the most, you know, masculine things that we can do is, is be present and really hold space for the people in our lives, whether, whether it's a guy or a girl. And, um, and I think in this age of like, boundless distractions where there's just constant notifications and you know there's there's constant distractions it's really it's really really powerful when we are present for other people and really listen to them and really hear them not from our own story and not from in, wanting to interject and you know add some piece of information in or like book title or quote or anything like that but to just actually like freaking hear somebody is so powerful and so i'm i'm really glad that you brought that up um, Thank you. and it's quite difficult <laughs> yeah yeah it's not yeah it's, that's a good that's a good preface it's not it's not easy and it's, i think it's it's something that we do need to uh we we need to work on like we it's, it's everybody like it's something that everybody needs to cultivate right it's just not something that's like inherent for most people yeah especially nowadays like you said it's increasingly getting more difficult to 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 not have your phone on you and not be connected uh with your work or your space and it it, it takes a lot of practice and, and courage just to just say no like i don't need my phone for like four hours like, i put it down i'm just gonna walk out of the house and go do whatever i'm gonna do totally and, and engage on that you know with your partner on that walk or the hike or you know the coffee date or whatever and uh and i'm super guilty of this simply because i'm you know I'm a guy, I'm human, <laughs> right? just like everyone else. And so I think, like you said, Connor, it's a great point to bring up is like just being present is so crucial to just nourishing those relationships. Yeah, it's funny. Like I was just down in San Diego and while I was down there, um, because I don't have like an American phone number and I didn't want to pay, you know, absorbent amounts of money to, to have text messaging capabilities down in the States, I put my phone into airplane mode. And it was interesting to notice how often I would, just check my phone. Yeah. And there was no reason to check my phone because I wasn't getting any notifications, any text messages. You get the fa- you get the phantom vib- vibrations of the phone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And but it was it was really fascinating because I found myself being more present to everything that I was experiencing. And so when I before I came back to Vancouver, I was like, okay, when I come back to Vancouver, I'm gonna make a conscious effort that when I sit down to work, I'm gonna turn my phone into airplane mode. And then when I sit down with Kelsey, my partner, I'm gonna put my phone into airplane mode. And it so far has been pretty fantastic because most of the time like 99.99% of the time nothing's life or death like when people are texting you it's just it's just random shit you know and yeah, and exactly. it's so powerful to to be present like that so that's there you go that's my rant um moving <laughs> moving forward because we do need to start wrapping it up and respect your time and, and uh, let you off the hook just curious what is the legacy that you would like to leave in the world the legacy I would like to leave in the world. Yeah, no um, big deal. Just a small, just a small <laughs> question to end things. Simple on. question. A uh, very, very good question, and uh, something I I spoke to a couple of days ago um, on one of my Instagram posts. If you guys want to go on your phone and get on social media right now, <laughs> um, really the legacy that I want to leave. We're trying to be present. Yes, exactly. Uh, I have uh, uh, an eighteen-month-old son. And uh, we're expecting a daughter in a couple months here and um, really just providing them with the blank canvas opposed to a, um, you know, a, a, 
a, a guideline to life is is more so like here's the the blank canvas here's all the colors in the the spectrum you know figure out what you're passionate about what you enjoy doing and we want to support you in doing so and uh you know being a father is a big part of my life and i want that to be a big part of you know my legacy and uh part of that is really what i'm doing with wellman and and really just trying to provide a, a more open and and uh communicative space for men to grow up into and uh just and and allow them to step into themselves and uh it starts at the home and i feel like uh you know being a good father is is the one thing that i want to focus on and uh will obviously be doing so for the next 20 to 50 to 60 years. <laughs> awesome. That's so great, Shay. Uh, you know, before we go, we always like to ask our, our, uh, ask our guests, what's the best way for our listeners to get a hold of you, learn more about you? Um, you know, you've got a lot on the go. Is there, is there one single place or is there a whole bunch? Uh, I believe if you just follow uh, me on the, all the social medias at Shay Emery, uh, S-H-E-A-E-M-R-Y, um, you can, you know, follow along and then, uh, Wellman is, uh, uh underscore W E L L M E N, uh, on all those social medias. And, uh, we're not on Snapchat. I'm not that youthful yet. So, um, <laughs> You're 29. Yeah. yeah. And you can also go to, you can also go to wellman.org to learn more about Wellman. Yeah. Thanks yes, so much, yes. Shay. Um, and, and for those uh, in Mantox land, you can go to mantox.com for more podcasts, blog posts, and any videos of our events, which are going to be going live soon. And of course, please subscribe to the podcast podcast on iTunes and Stitcher so that it automatically downloads uh, directly to your phone. And before you go, Shay, you know, we know you, you spent some time in Toronto. We just wanted to make a very, very quick announcement while we have you on the show. Uh, Connor and I are super, super excited to announce that Mantox is now live in Toronto. Our first event is coming up. Connor, why don't you tell everyone all about it? Yeah, awesome. So April 18th, Mantox will be uh, live in Toronto with our very first event. Um, we have some amazing speakers. Uh, we've got Mr. Gary Durant, uh, who's a former NBA uh, player and champion and dunk champion. Um, he's awesome. He does a lot of, of public speaking for corporations and he's got an incredible, incredible story to tell. We've got Mr. Ian Zabo, who has an absolutely amazing story to tell as well. Um, and we've got Giovanni Marsico, who's a, a friend of mine. Who, Giovanni. Giovanni, who runs uh, a, a company called Archangel Academy. And so we've got three incredible men and the intention of the night is to talk about purpose. It's the pursuit of purpose. So if you're in Toronto, check us out. The tickets are on the website or on Eventbrite. And if you're not in Toronto, but you know all about Man Talks, please let all your Toronto friends know because we want to pack the room, which you know we expect to do. We expect to sell out, but let's get them sold out as quick as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much, Shay, for joining us. Um, we uh, we hope to see you again. Uh, you're doing some absolutely incredible things in the world, and we're, and we're really, really excited to see uh, see what's coming down the pipe. Appreciate the time, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. And thank you so much for listening to the Man Talks podcast. Catch us next week for another inspiring conversation with an inspiring man. Really